Hey, Chrissy here. I am a landscape architect and the owner of Kismet Design. I am a very process-driven designer, and I love sharing what I do and how I do it with anyone who's interested. Reaching your true potential and achieving your own personal goals will not happen by chance. You have to set your intentions, make a plan, and do the work. Thank you for joining me to nerd out on design. Don't forget to subscribe and to share too. Let's create something great together. Today, I have a special guest joining me, Kathleen Bergler. She is an extra special guest because she is not only a fellow business owner, but also one of my clients. We will chat today about the design experience from the perspective of a client, but also dive a bit deeper into the emotional experience of hiring professionals and her experience in making some big steps in taking on the big project of a landscape renovation. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we jump into your personal experience through the design and installation of your own garden, I would like you to share with the listeners a little bit about your business and the services that you offer. Um, Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Um, Yeah, I have been a professional coach for over a decade, and the bulk of that was in the healthcare realm, Um, some of it in clinic and some as a private business. as a personal business owner. And since then, I kind of got burned out on healthcare and recently transitioned into becoming a certified divorce coach. And I get asked all the time, what does that mean? What do they do? And I like to think of myself as a bridge. So I'm the, I'm not a therapist. We're not going to like peel the layers of the onion and look at the past. Um, I'm not a divorce attorney or a mediator, so I'm not going to give you legal advice, but I'm going to help you collect yourself, clarify how you want to be and who you want to be moving through the divorce process so that you can go through that process feeling empowered and come out the other end with uh, integrity and focus. I love it. Thanks. I think that's awesome. I have never been through divorce, thankfully, but um, unfortunately, I think it's all too common. And um, I think that the services that you offer seem like they're not only very valuable, but very unique. I've never heard of any, any type of service like that. So I think it's, it's really great. What has been one of the most rewarding and eye-opening things that you've seen as your business has grown? I, I think rewarding, there's a couple of aspects to that. One of the most rewarding things for me is getting referrals from other people who work in the divorce arena or sort of divorce adjacent. So um, getting referrals from therapists and counselors, um, getting referrals from attorneys and mediators. So when they see the benefit of having, um, you know, in in legal parlance, like an attorney will say, uh, having a credible client so that you aren't going into your attorney wailing and moaning and and crying and, and like being in the emotional aspect of divorce, but you are coming saying, this is what we need to do to move forward. Um, So having that, that's really felt really great. Um, And additionally, when a client is able to really get the fact that, okay, this is happening, a lot of times they're the ones that didn't ask for the divorce. And so they are feeling lost or untethered and, okay, this is happening. Who am I going to be? How can I be my best self moving through this? 
not knowing the, the questions that they don't know the answers to quite yet. A hundred percent. So to divulge from that, mm-hmm. um, we first met to discuss your landscape design a little over two years ago now. Mm-hmm. I had to look up the date. <laughs> um, and then at the time that we met for your initial landscape consultation, you shared with me a little bit about your recent experience with your divorce and working through the remodel of this beautiful home that we're sitting in today. Um, it's not a metric that I track, uh, but if I were to guess, I would say approximately 75, maybe 80% of my projects are led by the woman of the household for traditional homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, taking a lead in a project like this was a little out of your comfort zone. So tell me a little bit about kind of what that looked like. Well, there's some different facets to it. One being that I was still in, in the divorce process. Some things had had finished up, but it wasn't completely 100% done. So there was still a little bit of, I don't know, tenuousness, right? Um, and then my ex is um, a contractor and been a commercial contractor forever. And so I'd been in that, that world. To a certain degree um and and the way that we played off of each other is that i might make a decision that would then get no 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 my guys will do it or i might um you know keep harping on about something and then it wouldn't get done so it was this being able to not be in the background but to step forward and say okay i get to make this decision which was you know it was really empowering and thrilling and at the same time terrifying and very daunting (laughs) because you know even when you're talking about um like a a married and intact home where you have a husband and a wife or partners that you still have somebody to bounce it off of you still have somebody to say oh yeah this is a good decision this is a good investment it's a good um next step or this makes sense or hey i've got some feedback but then you're solo. It's like, you do not have that other person saying, oh, it's my money too, or it's my time too, or whatever. All on your shoulders. All on my shoulders. So yeah, it was, um, (laughs) it was terrifying. Well, hopefully it wasn't terrifying the whole time. No. Um, as, as we started into it, what were the primary concerns that you had in just kind of making that first step to like seek out and look at even inquiring for a landscape designer? I think for me at that time, it was, it was trusting that what the, what the person was saying was legit, that I wasn't going to get screwed over somehow, that um, they really did know what they were talking about because I don't necessarily, you know, I know, I know some about construction, um, and I know some about small business, but I'm not an expert in landscaping. And so not being fluent in that language and trusting that the other person is giving me legit information, like that's, that was, <laughs> that was a big piece of it. Well, and because you are so close to the construction industry, you undoubtedly know that there's a lot of contractors out there that don't do what they say or don't know what they're doing. And there's a lot of people that get into unfortunate situations because of that. So yeah, there's, you know, there's bad apples out there that kind of ruin the, yes, <laughs> ruin the impression of a, a lot of us, well, whether it's design or construction or both. And it was kind of during, you know, it was still sort of pandemic stuff going on. So you had, 
you know, legitimate supply chain issues and you had legitimate labor issues, but then you also had people sort of, you know, taking advantage of those things. And, and so knowing that and entering into something going, okay, I just gotta, I gotta trust this is real. Yeah. Uh, once we started the design process or, or maybe even back step from that, from the initial consultation, when what things as a designer did I do or say that gave you that comfort level or was it all just kind of gut reaction? Uh, was there something specific that kind of guided you into thinking, okay, like this is someone that I can trust to move forward with to advocate for me? I, as a small business owner, um, you know, I've built websites and, you know, done my own marketing and, you know, done my own logos and things like that. I'm really conscious about things being very professionally presented. And, um, and that was a key thing. So I was looking for, I was kind of in that very much empowered, you know, single woman feeling and really looking for to support other women, small business owners in as many aspects as I could. And so that was a draw for me, but then to have it really, really professionally presented, everything laid out, super clear, super concise, uh, that, that was absolutely the key. And then it wasn't, I didn't feel talked down to in any way. I didn't feel like there was a lot of respect. There was a lot of uh, patience answering my questions, which I know that I asked uh, uh, a lot of the same questions over and over again, um, but there was a lot of patience and just, yeah, consistency. I, I try to do a lot of consistency and like I, for people that listen to this podcast, they've heard me preach that over mm -hmm. and over again. Um, but I think one of the big things is communicating with clients because every client is coming from a different perspective. Some clients have done three, four, five landscape renovations and they've done it for both business aspects or and personal aspects and both and other people like they're just coming into it like i have clients that they're first-time home buyers and looking to do a landscape renovation like they're you know definitely deer in the headlights like they don't even know like what they don't know yet at this point and so you you came in with very educated very informed questions like you knew the the questions that you needed answers to to be able to make those decisions and I don't mind answering questions. <laughs> well, I think it's better. to a certain degree, I knew the questions to ask. I mean, some I did and some I didn't. But, you know, I was a first time home buyer, homeowner on, on my own. Um, first time hiring professionals to do work that I've done myself. Um, so I did a ton of landscaping at my old house on my own. Um, and didn't want to do it again. <laughs> and uh, it's hard work. And yeah, it's really hard work. Um, but I just, I, and, and, you know, like all of the other things that were going on in my, my life at the time, you know, like new job and new city and like all tons of new stuff. Right. And so, but to ask the questions over and over again, which I know I did. And just to be like, you know, um, there was no look lady we've told you before. <laughs> it was just purely, yeah, this is how our process works, you know? And it was, you know, and then I would sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she did tell me that. Um, it was really, it was consistent. That's the word that I would use. It's just really across the board. Well, good. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. And on process, like, I think I sometimes, I, I'm so used to my process and I have it, like, 
not set in stone, but it's fairly rigid. Like I have a step-by-step process that I try and take everybody through in roughly the same manner. And I get so used to it because it's just second nature to me. Like I don't even really think about it anymore, but I have intentional points where I stop and like remind every client, this is where you're at in the process. This is the next steps. These are the next steps to expect after that, because most people haven't been through that process before. And if they have, it was with a different professional and everyone does things a little bit differently. So it's nice to kind of have those reminders. And so it's kind of part of it. I just have to say, um, and, and maybe because my first, like one of my first, um, and it was on Zoom, meetings with my divorce attorney. She said something kind of flip, kind of offhand. And I said, hey, hold up. I'm going to pause you right there. You are, have been a divorce attorney for decades. I am going to assume that you've done hundreds, if not thousands of divorces. This is my first one. So you need to dial it back and talk to me like, like I am in kindergarten because I am. So I'm going to ask you a question over and over again. What am I not asking? Because I don't know to ask you. Yeah. And she heard me and she was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. And so you didn't need that because you were coming from the perspective of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the pro at this. This is my process. This is what it looks like. They haven't, they don't know what this is. And so that is, was, you know, that is a huge highlight, you know, put the spotlight on that. Cause that's really a big deal. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so through the experience of going through the design, and then we transition to working with the contractor. Tell me about how how that transition. I know that hiring a contractor has its own kind of bits and pieces and uh, emotional aspects to it. But how how was that process for you? Well, let me say when I got the the blueprints or the plans or whatever, I can't. I mean, it was so exciting, and I showed all my friends, and um, I had a couple of friends who were like, "Wait a second, so I could just get somebody to come and do this and draw the picture for me?" <laughs> and everybody was just like, "Oh my gosh!" So just the plans themselves like created so much excitement and anticipation um, that that was just like it was really cool, um, and frankly, everything felt very seamless. I didn't have, um, I didn't have worries. Um, it, I, you know, I think there was one plant that I didn't want them to take out that maybe wasn't marked and I was able to, Hey, just leave the rosemary there. And I mean, there wasn't any static is the way I remember it. It's just, yeah. Good. That's great. what we hope for. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then do you, maybe it wasn't like a specific thing, but what was the tipping point? where you kind of transition from being concerned and apprehensive might not be the right word, but kind of guarded to feeling like really empowered in kind of going through that process. Um, I will go back to those plans. There's just something and, you know, whether it's I'm a visual person or, um, and I remember having a conversation with you early on that my backyard was this little fenced in rectangle with a, a, hideous border of azaleas, pink azaleas all around the perimeter. And it was just a a rectangle. And I couldn't, it was such a blank slate that I couldn't even imagine like what was possible, like what could be there? What, how could I use this? Um, And so then seeing it, right? Having those plans and going, oh, it could be this, or it could be this. It could be this huge, grand, amazing transformation. It could be a medium transformation. Um, 
yeah, that was that was a tipping point. And then I think also when they had the big machines out there, <laughs> that was pretty exciting. I mean, you know, because it goes quick. Yeah. All of a sudden, it really is a blank slate. Like it is down to bare earth and yeah. um, things are happening. And that was exciting. As designers, we ask a lot of questions about like, what do you want? How do you want it to look like? How do you want to use the space? And I think sometimes for some clients, it's easier because some like you are a little bit more open, a little bit more welcoming into like, this is my world. This is what I'm going through kind of thing. Not everybody is. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like, what, what would you say, because of your perspective of working with your clients as a design professional working with say one of your clients, what could a designer ask to really kind of get a better perspective of, okay, this is the emotional kind of status quo, where this client's coming from and how they're making these decisions? Such a great question. And it's interesting when I was thinking, um, when thinking about this, you know, there, there's a little bit of overlap, right? You might, I mean, there's, there's future focus, right? And that's what coaching's all about is what, what's coming up next. Um, and so all of those open-ended questions versus a, do you like Slate or flagstone, you know, which, you know, again, <laughs> it's not my area of expertise. <laughs> um, but rather than a yes and no question, but having those open ended questions. And when people, like for me, um, when there, there'll be times where I'm working with a client where I'll say, well, tell me how that went. And they'll say, it was good. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about what good is? <laughs> and it is so hard to dial in. Well, it's just good. Yeah, can you tell, can you compare it to something for me so I get a bigger sense? Can you paint a picture for me? I have used metaphor with clients in terms of what do you want it to feel like? If you could have your dream, how do you want to feel when you're out there? Um, is it, you know, like a starry night? Do you picture yourself out there at night? Do you picture yourself in the the height of summer? Or do you feel like, oh, it's wintry, you know? Um, to help paint some kind of a picture and you're right there's there's some people who just can't get there um and you kind of kind of use your intuition which um i think you're good at well i think some people are very emotionally guarded mm -hmm. and don't really want to kind of usually like the questions that i ask with people like that are tell me about your relationship with your neighbors oh, or great one have you worked with a designer before whether it's an architect or an interior designer even if it's a different professional and then you kind of get a better perspective on like how like they interact with the space or other professionals and um, or if they had a bad experience previously yeah. and they're they're keeping things on lockdown have you ever hired yeah. a contractor before like sometimes that sometimes where they're going back to like a specific experience sometimes will really be very telling i mean everyone has difficult neighbors but sometimes those <laughs> Those conversations are, you know, really kind of eye-opening. Like, okay, you know, which which person is the difficult one? Is it the neighbor? Or is it the client? Like, right? You know, do they need to have extra information to know like what exactly to expect, or do they just want to get the the glossed over Cliff Notes version and then run with it? Like, everyone has a a different communication style, and some people just really need a lot more information to feel comfortable, and some get annoyed with too much information. So it's kind of I always try and like get at least a, a rough idea of kind of where people are coming from. I don't want to bore people with a bunch of details that they're like, yeah, 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 lady, I got it. Um, but then also like if someone just really needs that, it's 
it's nice to know because then I can go in and allocate more time for my meetings, knowing that I'm going to spend extra time detailing things out, add more photos, things like that to really kind of just bulk things up for people that need that. I'm curious if you've ever had an experience where, you know, you, you feel like you and the client are really on the same page. You've got, you know, you, you feel like um, you're both have mutual understanding. And then as things start to unfold, you get a no, 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 no. Um, the only, so I've had that happen a handful of times and it wasn't with that particular client. It's when I have an initial consultation with one spouse or the uh, other. And typically it's, oh, this person is too busy. They can't join us. Or it's, this person doesn't care at all about this project. This is just mine. And then through the process, you come to find out that either they were too busy to be there, but they are really the key decision maker and the one that's the most opinionated about it, or they did actually care about it. And then later on, you get like a, an email of 25 different points that didn't even get discussed in the initial consult yeah. or concerns about the process or even just varying. I've had clients that have drastically different wants, wishes, and ideas about what their landscape should look like. And so that sometimes like I, <laughs> designers that I'm friends with, like we joke, like it's, it's kind of like garden therapy sometimes because it's like, okay, what do you want? And what do you want? Like, how do we this you know, get middle these two ground. things together? And Where's the compromise? Okay. You want a shed and you want it to be right outside the kitchen window, but you know, they don't want to look at the shed. They want it over on the other side of the property, but that's not access as accessible. And so kind of balancing those things out. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me is knowing up front, like, who has investment in the ideas that needs to have their voice heard to make sure that the design is complete instead of one-sided. So I was an easy client is what you're saying. Yes. Because it was just yes, the one person. Easy. No, I mean, I think of so many decisions and this was, this was part of the freeing part for me was that there were decisions about things, you know, in my marriage, you know, like actually landscaping things where I would spend all of this time and effort. And then, with the understanding that it was my project or, you know, they weren't particularly invested and, and then get the no, 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 no. Um, not like that. <laughs> and so I was curious if that happened, you know, if you'd had that experience, but knowing that I was making the decision and if at some point I went, Oh no, 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 that it would be on my shoulders that yeah. I would reproach myself and say, okay, well, you already made this decision. So what do you want to do about it now? Are yeah. you going to backtrack? Like, but it was all up to me. And that was, that was kind of liberating. So in working with some of your clients and when they're thinking about, obviously I'm assuming that you're working with clients at varying different stages in the divorce process, whether it's very new and very much in the mud versus like having been out and through with it and still just kind of trying to get their footsteps. Um, what what kind of big decisions do you find clients are going through and needing kind of maybe a little handholding on how to empower themselves to make those big decisions, whether it's hiring a professional or moving or getting a new job or you know any any kind of things like that? Um, big question, really dependent on the client, obviously, um, but the whole process of uh, 
coaching through divorce, whether it's in the, the contemplating divorce or experiencing divorce, or if it's um, uh, transitioning out of that into, you know, single life. It's all of these different ways of finding empowerment, whether it's resources. So who else can you check with? Who else do you know? Um, whether it is support systems, what are the other professionals that can bolster you up, whether it's, you know, therapist or your manicurist or, you know, whoever. And, you know, it might be a physical practice. It might be, you know, yoga or meditation or something like that. But the, I think the way that I have noticed the biggest transitions along the way where they really are starting to step into the, the, their own power, step into themselves, as it were, this new self, is there's a piece of it that's accepting that what's happening is happening, right? Okay, yeah. this, is, this is happening. And then I do work around values. So we start to craft, you know, like, what are your values? And I will talk to people and they're like, what do you mean? What are my values? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Or they'll say faith, family, and, you know, fun. I'm like, yeah, tell me how you live those. How do those show up in your life every day? Um, and so reconnecting to those, and that can be like this really big empowerment. Wait a second, I said that um, integrity was was my value. So how am I how am I doing this through this process? So something like hiring somebody. Well, you know, how do I hold my own? How do I be true to the things that I value, which is good communication, or you know. Um, boundaries or whatever, right? Um, in that, that process. And so it's this great proving ground. You get to test out these new things. Um, and in the divorce process, you get those, you get those opportunities constantly of, you know, who do I want to be in this, in this, in this moment or in this process? Well, because you're constantly kind of being tested and having to kind of do a gut check on yeah, you know, it's a, a big emotional transition. Absolutely. I, I found that I, I see clients going through those, whether it's moving or losing a parent or divorce or things like that. And I think that that kind of just sets people off kilter where they, they now are not reliant on the systems and the processes for decision making or anything that they were before. And they're having to kind of like find new footing. Yeah. And I think it's hard sometimes for people to really put into words like what they want. And that's where I find like I do a lot of like, yes, you said you want this, but is this really what you want? Like I just had a a, a client the other day that we were talking about they're doing a, a large deck remodel and they want to put a patio underneath the deck, but it's not super tall. And I was like, are you really going to spend time there? If you've got this big, beautiful, large deck that you've got a great view from, are you going to spend a lot of time like maximizing the space underneath? When really it's more like there's nothing to do down there. There's no use for that. So let's make a use, but is it going to be money better spent? And so kind of looking at it from the perspective of like, is that really how you want to use the space? And I love the values thing because I, one of the um, business coaches that I've worked with and actually another business podcast that I'm like a bit obsessive over talks a lot about values and um, going through that and kind of using those values as like a gut check, like any decision that you're making, like, does this fit 
with my values? If, you know, if I take on this client, does that fit with my values? If I do this marketing effort, does that, you know, all of your decisions can be kind of filtered through that to make sure that it feels good. And then you don't look back and go, oh, dang it, I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have taken that client or, you know, any of those things. And it's, it's nice to kind of have that, that baseline filter that you know, if, if you hit those marks, like you can't really go wrong. Yeah. I had this quote that I would put up on my whiteboard in my office a lot that is, and I'm going to paraphrase, um, something like, tell me what your values are um, and I might believe you. Show me your calendar and your checkbook and then we'll really know. And it's like, what are the things that I'm spending my time and money on? And am I doing those with intention or is it just because of habit or proximity or whatever, but how do I, and, and for me personally, you know, I'm over 50 and I'm like, okay, I potentially have 50 more years on the planet. So what do I want to do with the second half of my life? Like I want to live in a way that is aligned with my values um, as best I can. And I'm not going to hit it all the time, but you, when you're talking about that deck and how they've got the deck and they've got, and they're thinking about the patio, that is an absolute perfect metaphor for a lot of this conversations that happen in divorce coaching because people will enter into that with this, I want the house and this rigid thinking of, I want the house. It's going to look like this. I'm going to have this. I'm, they're going to pay. It's like, yeah, well, tell me what it's going to look like. Tell me where's the money going to come from. Show me. Let's be, let's be thoughtful. Let's plan it out. You really want it and let's make it happen. But let's be real. If you get the house, are you really going to want to live in it after yeah. all of this? Yeah. Like, I do. How, how much time do you devote to cleaning it? You know, <laughs> I think about, you know, plants where you could, you know, somebody might say, oh, I want, you know, X and such a plant, but I never want to do any um, maintenance on yes. it. <laughs> it's a really high maintenance. You got to deadhead it. You got to trim it. You got to prune it. And um, wild yeah. English perennial garden, but I don't like garden maintenance. Like, <laughs> sorry, those two don't really go together. No, not at all. Um, yeah. So are you willing to pay somebody to do it or do you have the money to pay for somebody to do it? But yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it, in landscape, it's also like understanding like what people's perspectives of even like maintenance, because for some people, mowing acres and acres of lawn is low maintenance. For other people, they would rather go out and weed and deadhead and prune things than ever touch a lawnmower. And so it's just, you know, it's very different. Like I, I don't like mowing lawn. My <laughs> husband does that. Yeah. But I can spend hours weeding and going through garden spaces and that is okay with me, even though my weeds get out of control. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, everyone has a different perspective and different ideas of what, what feels good or what doesn't for them. And sometimes it's a balancing act between two spouses. And a lot of times I'm dealing with younger um, families mm -hmm. where they've got kids yeah. and a lot of times people get very stuck in a, a mindset of thinking like my kids are, you know, two and four right now. I need safety. I need a space for the rainbow playset. I need all these things that, you know, fit this tiny little window. It's like, well, they won't always be that little. Like in a blink of an eye, they're going to be teenagers and you might want that fire pit space where all the kids travel to your space to mm -hmm. hang out instead of somebody else's. Like, looking at kind of how those spaces can transition with instead of like just a, a pinpoint, pinpoint in time. time. Yeah. And that, like what you said, like that future focus, like what do you want this to eventually look like? How do you, how do you want it to feel? And it, it's hard sometimes to bring people 
kind of step back and like look at the bigger picture instead of just you know kind of what is immediately in front of them yeah and i think like i hadn't been in my house that long when um when i did my yard and even now you know a couple years later i'm like oh i know some things that i would i would i would change i would do differently like i'm noticing i'm not down in my lower yard that much so what what could i do with that space so now my mind is churning again like hmm um how could this transition and evolve with yeah. how you're using it yeah which when is such a beautiful view from up here that you don't get from down there so it's true that's part of it it's part of it yeah um well let me just say this because you did say the word systems in there somewhere and the other quote that i often had up on my whiteboard in my office was um we don't rise to the level of our goals we sink to the level of our systems and i had that up and one of my clients was actually a former um, special forces guy and he said oh we use that in the navy seals um a little bit different we, you know you sink to the level of your training and so in terms of systems it's like yeah you can have all the goals you want i could have this goal to have this most amazing backyard which you know like i moved in and i'm like oh yeah and then the and then it's yeah. hard pan and i'm five <laughs> feet tall and i've got no oomph into the um shovel and it's like if i if i don't get the people to do it if i don't figure out how to make it happen then i can just sit here and, and have goals yeah and nothing's gonna get without done. a plan you're without not gonna plan. get there yeah I love that. And I have that, that quote on my whiteboard as well. It's and, so good. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is you know, back to what you said about show me what's on your calendar and I'll show you what's on your values. Like if you don't plan for it, if you don't put it on the calendar, if you don't actually make it happen, even like in starting a business, like you have, there's a lot of steps and you got to take it one bite at a time. And until you kind of, everything just kind of builds on itself and you have to like actually intentionally make those things happen and Absolutely. set things in place. And even like with going back to the discussion of process, like having the steps, having it printed out on a piece of paper, going through it over and over again, having it on the website, making sure that, you know, and as over the years, it's definitely been fine tuned, mm -hmm. um, but going through, it's like, it's always evolving, but having it set and not because the times where I find that I get the most, off kilter or off track with clients or have clients that I just feel like I'm not giving them my best is when I diverge from the process yeah. and I let them kind of either take the lead or, you know, a lot of times working with builders mm -hmm. is really hard because their process kind of fights with my process because part of my process is moving through it efficiently, right? Because that way all the conversations, are being had and I everything's fresh. I'm not relying on my chicken notes, right? Chicken scratch notes mm -hmm. to remember, okay, what did they say about this? And how many people do they have over on a regular basis? It's all fresh in my mind. And I can look at the pictures and it all comes back. If I wait six months while the builder is going through permitting and then have to jump back in, it just makes it really hard. And so kind of keeping things, you know, back to values efficiency is one of my I like to have things like very regimented <laughs> and I like to go through in a, a system and a process and economy of movement. I, I yeah. say that to my, I have two daughters in their twenties and I say it to them, you know, it's like, um, and they both now have had experience waiting tables. And I'm like, you know, like, I think that yeah. everybody in the world should have to wait tables at some point in time because you just learn that you can't, you can't go back and forth 
12 times to get silverware and napkins yeah. and a coffee pot. No, streamline it like yeah. one time through. <laughs> yeah. Make it economy of movement. Yeah, the efficiency. Well, and sometimes I, I find that you know, whether it's personal or professional, it, sometimes you just have to like make the decision. Make the decision once, do it. You can always go back and change, but a, a lot of people will get kind of stuck in that like whether it's decision fatigue, like with people mm -hmm. going through big remodels at the same time as looking at their landscape plans, like sometimes it can just be a lot to take on all, all at once. Yeah. But there's a tipping point where you just have to say, yep, yeah. make a decision. I'm going to go forward with it. And you can always change mind. Some, I think some that, things are harder to change after the fact than others. But. Totally. But some of it is, you know, um, that uh, choice paralysis too, mm -hmm. like just decision fatigue, choice paralysis, where you're just like, there's too many like yeah. i can't make a decision like roll the dice at this point let's just do a rochambeau and be done with it um and you know that was i think you were the only landscape no i talked to another landscape uh person and i felt so dismissed and so much like they knew what they were going to do like they had their vision for what it was going to be and i <laughs> didn't care for that um and so it was a pretty, it was pretty easy for me to roll the bones um, on choosing who was going to do my project. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just, when there's too many choices, it's too hard. Well, I think as a designer, it's hard sometimes because you do get designers that will be like, okay, this is what you're going to do. They just give you one plan and it's like, well, wait, like maybe that's not what I want. And then you get other designers that maybe give too many choices. <laughs> Are there that are you know, totally different? It's like the you know the the, uh, the saying like you can have your interior designer say here go to the tile store pick out a tile or they can say here's the three that I think you're gonna like the best that yeah. fit with your budget pick from these three what's easier mm -hmm. so much easier to pick from things that have been narrowed down yeah knowing what your goals are knowing what your wants are instead of like sometimes there's I've got ideas for clients I'm like can't show them that oh, that would be really cool but. <laughs> can't show them that I'll just tuck that away for a future project idea. Mm -hmm. But I think part of, part of the process and like being an advocate for your clients in design is making sure that you understand what their goals are and feed them just the information that they need mm -hmm. and not overwhelm them. Yeah. It can be. I mean, and that is so much, I mean, I'm just hearing like there's so much overlap with what a coach does. And I have a quote that I, I wrote and I'm going to paraphrase it, but um, it's on my, I think it's on my website. That's, you know, a, a good coach doesn't walk in front of you and pull you along at a pace that doesn't work for you. And they don't, they don't walk behind you and push you towards um, where they want you to go. Yeah. They walk beside you and they might point out some pitfalls. They might, you know, move some debris so that you can easier access that path, but it's your path and you get to determine the direction, you know, and that's where, exactly what you're talking about. It's like you're there and you're going to maybe point out, hey, that might not be the safest direction. What if we went this way? And, but they still get to decide. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think that that, that fits perfectly. Yeah. Um, so what I love the most about the experience and all of that that you're sharing is the, the openness. And I think designers kind of get stuck in the, you know, what's the, what's the parameters of the project? What's what do we need to fit in here? What style is it? Instead of like the emotional aspect to how you make decisions. And I think sometimes, you know, like we said, like there are some clients that are more open 
others that are not, but kind of how, how people are approaching that decision-making process and hiring a designer or any kind of professional is a big step Huge. and not everybody does it on a regular basis. So I think sometimes that as a designer, like, cause that's your life, like, or as a coach, like, that's just what you do. Like, sometimes you kind of forget like that is a, it is a big step. It is something that means a lot to someone. Like most people are only going to do a landscape renovation once in their life. Like they might not do 10, 12, 15 of them, like some people, but it's, it's kind of a, I think it's important to kind of look back and think like what that actually means to that individual person, because it's different for everybody. And yeah. I like that, how you're kind of explaining how that process was for you and for your clients, like going through that. It's, I think anytime you are allowed an opportunity um, or create an opportunity for yourself to sort of step forward, stand a little bit taller, you know, really plant your feet and go, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, sink or swim. I'm still going to take that step forward and I will live with the benefits of the repercussions regard, you know, whatever way it goes, it is an empowerment to have that self-determination and say, I'm going to do this thing. And so when you're talking about, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing. Just the hiring of somebody yep. is, um, is a big thing to just go, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm really doing this. Yeah. I really hired someone. Now I really have plans. I really have plans. on paper. Right. And then you see the equipment show up and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then it, and then it's really real. Yeah, yeah. And then when the trees went in, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this is super real and yeah. then super great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, where is the best place for people to find out more about you and your business? Um, on my website, which is just www.kathleenburglar.com. Um, yeah, I'm on social media and stuff too. I'm on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and whatnot. So. And I'll put links in the show notes for all of those as well. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. To wrap up, I want to thank you for your time. I hope the ideas discussed today have left you feeling excited and energized. As I build both my business and my life, I value the support and feedback you provide. I would love for you to reach out to me to let me know what you think, give me ideas, or just to connect. Please don't forget to subscribe and also share with a friend. Until next time, go create something wonderful.